Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Extra point on this Thursday, August 24th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. As always, follow along with us online at kdos1060.com, as well as with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Suggestion here for you download the KDOS 1060 app today and get yourself registered. Follow along with the listener rewards opportunities, as there is a current chance right now for a $100 gift certificate courtesy of Superbook Sports. We'll make room for Dan Leberfield of Jets Confidential today at 1115-602-260-1060 is the number, which, uh, you know, you unfortunately will not have phone call time because we're making room for Dan Leberfield of Jets Confidential to chat all things uh, uh, New York Jets at 11.15. As we typically do, though, let's reset the scene with today's poll questions, and we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question in regards to the Jets. Over under win total here sitting at 9.5, and, and right now as the uh, – computer has to update here i don't have an answer for you it is uh oh here we go 79 percent is on the underside and over sitting at 21 percent yeah i wonder how much of that is just the, the division which is perceived to be uh, by some to be the best in the league the toughest in the league i'm not positive i believe that anymore i might have thought that early in the off season. But as uh, the offseason and especially training camps around the league has started, you know, there's some injuries, uh, certainly in Miami. There's been you know, some stuff going on with the Jets' offensive line. Uh, so, and you know, Buffalo has had some offensive line injuries, which we got into in some detail yesterday. So, I'm not sure this is the uh, toughest division in the planet, which some people seem to think before, as I mentioned, uh, especially early in the offseason. So, I'm wondering whether some of that under. You know, love or, you know, it's just the uh, approach there is because of the division itself. We will find out more about the Jets here. As I mentioned, Dan Leberfield set to join us at 11.15. Tossing this on over to Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. Bob had a conversation with Mike Biardino chatting all things Notre Dame football. 2023 Notre Dame football win total over under eight and a half wins. Under sitting at 55.6% over trailing at 44.4%. Yeah, Notre Dame. Um, they I, the first thing is my first thought was, do they get an extra game because they're playing week zero? They do not. Uh, I thought maybe because they're playing week zero and they're playing in a foreign country, they might have been granted an extra game, kind of like Hawaii opponents do sometimes in the regular season when they have a game at Hawaii, but uh, they're not. So it is a 12-game season. That's the first thing. You know, they kind of have uh, you know similar schedule to last year, except. Uh, they get USC and Ohio State. They lost to both of those teams on the road last year. In fact, they lost to both of those. They were actually in the fourth quarter in both of those games last year. They were leading at Ohio State and uh, got you know, demolished in the fourth quarter in that game. And also Caleb Williams, not surprisingly, made some plays 
the whole game, but a couple more in the fourth quarter as uh, USC beat Notre Dame in Los Angeles last year. So that's kind of being the, the scheduling differences for them this year as they play those two teams in South Bend. We will answer that question around 11.30. Still time for you to cast your vote over on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. Uh, so the news of the day here locally, of course, is Isaiah Simmons this morning being traded to the New York Giants for a seventh-round pick in 2024. The timetable here, Isaiah Simmons was drafted in 2020 out of Clemson. Uh, the the current regime here declined his fifth-year option this offseason, so he will be set to be a free agent at the end of the year. Jonathan Gannon met the media in Minnesota, as that is where the team is currently doing joint practices with the Vikings, uh, and at, was asked about the trade. Quote, Isaiah did everything we asked of him. Moving forward, but this is the best way we want to play football against other people. He had been moved into the free safety position here for all of uh, offseason work and camp and some preseason action and if you just think about last Saturday's contest here uh, he really struggled in that game against the Chiefs there was certainly a lot of uh, plays where he was on your screen uh, and it wasn't ending well for him in in that capacity so you just have to wonder if the decision to move on from him uh, had anything to do as you pointed out with just uh, not getting along with anyone or just really frustrated with not catching on uh, etc because I think obviously not picking up that fifth year option was pretty indicative of uh, what this this new regime thought of him and, and what his chances were sticking around with this team were. Agreed. And uh, you know, he really hasn't covered anybody since he's been here, quite frankly, whether it be uh, tight ends, you know, wide receivers in the slot. The one thing he's actually done, I think, uh, he also hasn't been a very good inside linebacker against the run. Uh, so those were all things that I and others, and I'm sure the Cardinals thought that he could do, and they've tried him everywhere, and it didn't work out. The thing I don't quite understand is why you trade him today unless there's insubordination issue here, and they just don't want him around anymore, and they want him out of here, because it sure seems to me that if you, you know, unless there is an insubordination problem, you couldn't wait for the season, and maybe he actually increases his value and increase, you could trade him during the season or after the season. You could get a seventh-round pick for him at the end of the year if he, he didn't do anything this year, I assume, unless there's just something that we don't know about. And uh, you know, based on uh, you know, what we've you know, limited things that I've heard, uh, you know, I'm not there every day as I used to be back in the day in training camps, uh, whether they were in Glendale or in Flagstaff. Uh, so I'm not, I don't know about that, but it seems like uh, it, it makes me wonder at least whether they just want him out of here because they just don't want to put up with him anymore. So, you know, there was a lot of excitement surrounding Isaiah Simmons with that number eight pick. So, uh, you know, led by led by me. (laughs) So revisionist history here. I think we have to remember that there was a ton of excitement around that pick uh, and the excitement about him being able to be so versatile. And I do think that just the way that 2020 unfolded uh, certainly was a disadvantage to him and his development. But now that we're into 2023, they've tried some different spots. I'm not sure that year of 2020 can be a determining factor as to why the product on the field has not translated to expectations. Now, one of the things here that the Cardinals... Can't be be used as an excuse anymore. 
that's long gone. One of the things that, you know, the Cardinals are always in need of is offensive linemen, as every team are always in need of offensive linemen. But when you take a look at this particular draft, I just thought it would be interesting to see, you know, who was drafted after Isaiah Simmons at number eight with, again, keeping in mind there was a lot of excitement and, hey, we got Isaiah Simmons. This can be, you know, the person that we need to solidify that middle of the defense here. Uh, Jedrick Wills was taken offensive tackle out of Alabama Number ten to the Browns, Makai Becton, offensive tackle. He's been he's been disappointing, by the way. Wills has been, as we talked about last week. Yeah, Makai Becton, offensive tackle, Louisville to the huh. Jets at number eleven. He's been hurt a lot, and we'll talk about him specifically in the next segment. Then you had Tristan Wirfs out of Iowa with the Buccaneers, and obviously yeah. the big thing for him now this year switching to the left side of the line. But he's been a stud when he's played. I mean, he's been amongst the best at his position, as you mentioned, now changing positions from right tackle to left tackle, which Uh, is a big deal, by the way. Yes. Yeah, it really is. Uh, Then just looking at some of the defensive positions, if you will, uh, immediately after Isaiah at number nine, the Jaguars took C.J. Henderson quarterback uh, cornerback out of Florida. Bust. (laughs) Javon Kinlaw was taken number 14 with the 49ers defensive tackle out of South Carolina. Always hurt, unfortunately. And then uh, you had Damon Arnett, cornerback Ohio State with the Raiders at number 19. Out of the league, I think. Uh, He uh, had all kinds of off-the-field issues. He actually had some at Ohio State, uh, which uh, I mentioned when he was playing at Ohio State. Uh, so I don't think, yeah, I know he you know, got released rather quickly. He went to, he played for at least two teams. I don't think he's in the NFL anymore. He all, Yeah, he had some very serious off-the-field issues, as are the next person I'm going to mention here, because there were several wide receivers that were taken in this 2020 draft here. Number 12, the Raiders took Henry Ruggs out of uh, <laughs> Alabama. Yep. Uh, (laughs) Both those guys with the Raiders, they're out of the league. Yeah, the Raiders' 2020 draft did not work out for them. Uh, Actually, they had about four drafts in a row, which is why Gruden is not currently employed in the NFL. Well, that and the fact that apparently he's a jerk, but whatever. Number 15, the Broncos took Jerry Judy out of Alabama. Got hurt this morning in practice, by the way, again. Jerry Judy. C.D. Lamb was taken uh, number 17 from the Cowboys out of Oklahoma. That's the best player by far that we've talked about here. Jalen Rager, number 21 out of the Eagles, uh, TCU. On on his second team already and maybe not make – he might be on his third team because he may not make the Vikings opening day roster. Another bad player. This player, (laughs) I think, will be the best player we've talked about so far of the wide receiver group here. Number 22, Justin Jefferson, Vikings out of LSU. I think he's good. Yeah. Maybe you can get a – hopefully we can get somebody else to, uh, you know, basically endorse that too. I so hope I'm pretty so. pretty sure. Actually, yeah. uh, it leads me into my one final point here before we'll step aside. Hell, you won money on him. You should be the one endorsing him. You I, won I, money last I year. I did. Yes. That was the yes. easiest thing that has ever happened. It will probably be the easiest thing that will ever there happen in any betting career. Uh, before we step aside, though, to make room for Dan Leberfield here, I did want to make mention about Justin Jefferson and the – the joint practices here. And I'm wondering how great of an opportunity this is for Keetrell Clark to 
be able to, in certain circumstances, go up against Justin Jefferson uh, in these joint practices here to one for Keytrol Clark, kind of see what it's like to go up against that particular caliber of wide receiver Two, also to solidify himself as being a starter for this team. I'm not sure that's a really good approach. I almost want to give, give, let him go on the other side of the field. <laughs> so, um, you know, I don't know if that's a real true indication of whether Clark's any good or not. What I do know, well, at least what I think, is that Matthew is not good, and uh, Clark, Clark should clearly be play uh, should clearly be playing ahead of Matthew for sure. Yes, I, I hope that that's how that is all going to unfold. And obviously, cornerback one uh, that we're talking about, though, is Marco Wilson. Not a big fan of his either, quite frankly. Dan Leberfield, Jets Confidential, set to join us on the other side of the break. We'll get uh, the updates on Aaron Rodgers. We'll get the updates on the offensive line. We'll get the updates on Corey Davis deciding to retire. We'll get all of that from Dan here in the Extra Point on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com, and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It's all happening next. Hey, Phoenix, Doug Gottlieb here. I'm bringing the best sports talk weekdays to you, 1 to 3 p.m., right here on KDUS AM 1060. Welcome back to Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Thursday, August 24th, we continue the AFC East previews, popping on out to the KDOS hotline. Dan Leberfeld of JetsConfidential.com. Dan, it's Bob and Kayla with you. How are you today? Good. How are you guys doing? Doing fantastic. Looking forward to talking about the New York Jets. Uh, They certainly are a popular squad. And I'm sure that you've had an array of conversations regarding Aaron Rodgers since he became a Jet. So we'll see if we can start off with a question that maybe you haven't heard yet. What has surprised you about seeing and interacting with Rodgers? And has his presence changed anyone's mentality, philosophy, or confidence around the building and being on the field? Yeah, uh, that definitely uh, the the latter part in, in, increased people's confidence. And as a writer who's covered the team for like 25 years, it creates relevancy from a journalist standpoint. Because a lot of years the Jets have been a a team that was not a Super Bowl contender by any stretch. But now you look at Rodgers being there, it changes everything. They're relevant. They should be in the playoff conversation. And watching him practice for the last month in training camp, he really doesn't look like he's lost a lot. The only thing he might have lost a little bit of, we can see him running bootlegs, you know, scrambling to the right. Maybe he doesn't run as fast as he used to be, but his work in the pocket looks exactly the same to me. And it makes the Jets a legitimate contender because he's one of those five to seven guys in the league on that top shelf of quarterbacks that give you a chance every time you take the field. 
Okay, so as you mentioned, uh, you've been covering the Jets for 25 years. Uh, have you learned anything watching Hard Knocks the last three weeks? Well, I actually have not watched it. I really... Oh, I know pro- that's probably good move. But I, <laughs> no, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Covering the Jets this long, my attitude is this, the old Elvis Presley song, a little less conversation, a little more action. I understand <laughs> they were forced. I understand they were forced to do it. But I, you know, they have a lot of shows that they have in-house. Uh, they have one Jets Drive Productions, and they win Emmys and all that. I have nothing against any of those people. But, man, they missed the playoffs 12 years in a row. I'm really tired of the talk and the hype. I want to see what they do once the real game starts. So that's one of the reasons I took a pass this year. Dan Leberfeld, JetsConfidential.com, right here on KDOS AM 1060 in the extra point. Uh, So let's talk about the offensive line here because, uh, you know, you have so many weapons for Rodgers to get the ball to, obviously the improvement at the quarterback position here. So how's the offensive line shaping up? Makai Becton, former first-round pick in 2020, uh, he hasn't spent much time on the field, but it looks like he's going to be moving around on the line. And in general, can this line protect Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, Makai Becton's going to be the right tackle. He was a left tackle in college. Last summer, when they acquired Dwayne Brown, uh, they moved Makai Becton to right tackle. Then he got hurt in training camp and was out for the year. So he's back at right tackle again. He was a left tackle in college. And Dwayne Brown actually took the field today for the first time and practiced a little bit after missing all the camp after off-season shoulder surgery. So those are going to be the tackles. You know, Beckin was kind of held out of practice today, so I think he's going to be on a pitch count. He didn't have a setback. They're just trying to be careful with him. Uh, on the interior, the guards are very good, like in Tomlinson, the former 49er, and Elijah Vera Tucker, the former USC star, uh, who got hurt last year with a pec injury, but he's, when healthy, one of the best guards in the league. The center is a guy whose parents just moved out to your neck of the woods. I'm sure you saw that story where... The center, Connor McGovern, and he's going to start at the beginning of the year. Joe Tittman, the rookie out of Wisconsin, will take over at some point. But Connor McGovern's parents just bought a, a mansion out in Scottsdale. Um, so they're moving out to your neck of the woods. And his parents, his father and family, they own a potato farm. And it's one of the biggest potato farms in the country in North Dakota. Actually supplies the potatoes for McDonald's. That's so quite an account. Wow. So that explains how his parents were able to afford that house. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a whole lot of potatoes, no doubt. Okay, Brees Hall, uh, coming off the ACL uh, injury, off the pup list now, still appears to be fast. Uh, what, what's the plan of running back with Hall and the recently signed Dalvin Cook? Yeah, you know, with, with Brees Hall, uh, still limited in practice. I mean, he's running plays like today they – they probably uh, got a little nervous because he ran a play up the middle on the linebacker Quincy Williams, hit him pretty hard. He went to the ground, and I saw mm. just a little hesitancy getting off the ground. He, he seems fine, but, you know, after you go through a nine-month knee rehab and you get hit like that and you, and you pick yourself off the ground, you wonder, is everything okay? So they're still taking it slow with him, so I think it's going to be a running back by committee, a little Dalvin Cook, a little Brees Hall, a little Michael Carter and sprinkle in a little Bam Knight, who played a lot last year, uh, an undrafted free agent at NC State last year who made the team. So I think they're going to mix and match a running back. 
Garrett Wilson, 83 catches last year, 1,103 yards uh, with some suspects quarterback play. So you can only imagine what the possibilities are for him this year with Rodgers. Rodgers also has Alan Lazard brought with him from Green Bay. So how will those two work off of each other? And then also, what the heck happened with Corey Davis? Yeah, the Corey Davis story is a mystery because he said in his statement on Instagram that he's uh, taking a step away from football. I don't know. I mean, I'm not playing a game of semantics. That doesn't sound like retirement, but a lot of people wrote it as retirement. Uh, you know, he's dealing with some family issues. Hopefully everything's okay with his family. But also I wonder if they were trying to get him to take a pay cut. You know, you mentioned all those receivers, Alan Lazard, uh, Randall Cobb's also in the room. You talk about Garrett Wilson. They are pretty stacked at receiver McCall Hardman, the former chief. So I, I just wonder, you know, once again, I, I not, you know, uh, minimizing family issues. Those are serious matters. But he's got no money guaranteed this year, and we don't know what went on behind the scenes about them asking to take a pay cut. Because sometimes guys decide, you know what, I'm willing to play NFL football for that number. But I'm really not willing to do it for that number. We saw a player here a few years ago, outstanding offensive tackle to Brickishaw Ferguson. They asked him to take a pay cut in the spring. He walked, and he hasn't played since. So I think a lot of veteran players say, you know what? I'm willing to do this. It's grueling for my original contract, but I'm not willing to do it at a greatly reduced salary. So, once again, not taking anything away from what's going on with his family, and hopefully they'll be okay. But I, I wonder if there was a pay cut element to that story. Okay, Dan, I know you're not watching Hard Knocks, but Quinn and Williams, uh, like, seems to, you know, he's had a big role. Um, he's on and off the field. Seems to dominate every line of scrimmage and every practice. Uh, is that just the case, every every practice he participates in? Yeah, and you saw it when they practiced against other teams, too. Uh, Carolina mm-hmm. and Tampa Bay they practiced with. And if there's a guard that goes in there, I'm not saying he can't be, elite guards, but if there's somebody who's kind of a journeyman, game, set, match. Watch the ball snap. I mean, they're not going to block him. Uh, and that applies to, you know, Jets Lyman, you know, as well. If it's not Elijah Vera Tucker out there, you know, or Lincoln Thomason, he just dominates anybody that's a tick below that. Uh, he's had a really good camp. The question with Quinn Williams has nothing to do with his pass rushing and his first step quickness, which is outstanding. The run, de- the run defense up the middle for the Jets last year wasn't great wasn't all his fault you know he didn't have a lot of help so once the real game start i want to see what he does against the run we know he can rush the pass you saw that on hard knocks you saw that his first few years with the team he's a little on the side sometimes the run defense he can get engulfed by the massive linemen so let's see what the run defense is like but there's no doubt he's one of the best interior pass rushers in the league i think you can have another scene on hard knocks because i saw him today talking to his brother, the linebacker Quincy Williams, who also starts. They got the boom mics over all these private conversations. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if there's any laws against that or whatever, but man, if I'm not in private conversation with someone, uh, I don't want a boom mic over it, but that seems to be going on all summer with Hard Knocks here. Dan Leberfield, JetsConfidential.com here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. Sticking with the defense, Sauce Gardner, he was impressive beyond belief in his rookie year last year. Is it possible for him to keep raising his game to the next level and going up against Garrett Wilson every day in camp? How has that continued to help both of them get better? 
Well, that's a perfect question to ask today because the practice ended. Last player practice, Quinn, uh, excuse me, Sauce Gardner. But once again, I always hesitate to say Sauce Gardner was beat for a touchdown by Garrett Wilson because we don't know the exact play. But let me just say this. The practice ended with Aaron Rodgers hitting Garrett Wilson, uh, you know, deep out in the end zone, and the two DBs in the area were a safety and Sauce Gardner. Uh, Sauce was the closest one to him. So it's funny with training camp. I was saying to someone as we walked up the field, you know, every play in training camp that's a highlight, there's also a low light because you're going against your teammates. Yeah. I don't know whose fault it was. Like I said, Sauce Gardner was the closest, and there was a safety name, Adams, who was the second closest. But the receiver was wide open in the end zone. And I know it's Aaron Rodgers, future Hall of Famer, but I don't care who the quarterback is. You can't leave a guy that wide open. So, once again, Sauce Gardner had a good summer, should be very good this year, but he's got to perhaps clean up plays like that. Um, and also in the Tampa Bay practice, he was beat for a deep touchdown, or so it seems. So, very, very good player, but like any second-year player, there's some things to clean up. Dan, I want to get back to the rush defense. You wrote about that. I'm sure you read about that plenty here in the last few weeks. I, you know, I read your story in the Lindy's Preseason Magazine have they done enough? Have you seen enough from that defense, the rush defense, to make you think they're going to improve that much this year? And uh, Lindy's, uh, thanks for plugging Lindy's, Bob. Lindy's uh, edited and run by a man who lives in your area, Howard Balser. Uh, That's correct. Arizona. Yes, on the, the on this show, it's on this on this show with some frequency. So there we go. Yeah, so Howard does a great job with that magazine. It's a pleasure to work for him. And the run defense should be better because of two guys that they added. Did you guys know this? Two of, you guys know both of these players well because they're former Seahawks. Big Al Woods, the massive nose tackle, mm-hmm. he came over 340 pounds. And Quinton Jefferson, another big defensive tackle. So mm-hmm. clearly those two signings, that was kind of an admission by Joe Douglas, the GM, is we need to beef up inside a little bit if you're the Jets because too many big runs up the middle. So I think that'll help Quinton Williams. Having a massive defensive tackle next to him will help a guy taking up double teams. So I think Al Woods and Quinn Jefferson will help the Jets run defense a lot. Big, powerful guys who you guys saw a lot with the Seattle Seahawks. Middle linebacker C.J. Mosley going into his ninth season in the league, 158 tackles last year. Uh, you know, he, he, he means so much to the middle of the defense. Yeah, he does. Uh, and that's a to me, that's a little bit of a concern. He's a very instinctive player, and he's a great leader, and he's very good against the run. He had like 140 tackles last year. The problem is as you get older and you have coverage responsibilities, you know, he, he and Quincy Williams, the two linebackers, a lot of times they just go with two linebackers and extra guys at other positions. Jets need to improve their coverage of tight ends. I know that goes beyond Quincy Williams. And C.J. Mosley, the safeties need to do better also. But think about the tight ends in the Jets division right now. And word out of Buffalo is that uh, Dalton Kincaid had a really, really good training camp, the rookie Mm -hmm. out of Utah, speedy tight end. And, of course, they have Dawson Knox. And then you throw in the New England Patriots. There's not a lot of talk about their offense, but they have Hunter Henry and Mike Gesicki, two very good tight ends, both picked in the first round in their tight end room. So that is something to keep an eye on. The Jets need to cover tight ends a lot better 
than they have the last couple of years. The run defense is fine. Quincy Williams and C.J. Mosley's are, are thumpers against the run. But uh, too much damage done in the air through against the Jets' tight ends the last couple of years, that needs to improve. Okay, last up for me, the Jets are playing their starters in the final preseason game on Saturday against the Giants. What will you be looking for? Well, a big thing is the offensive line as far as protecting Rodgers. Protection for the other quarterbacks like Zach Wilson and Tim Boyle was not great in, in the first three preseason games. They, they're going into their fourth because they played in the Hall of Fame game. So Makai Beckton will start at right tackle, protecting Aaron Rodgers. I don't think Dwayne Brown's going to play because he just got here, so it'll be uh, somebody else at left tackle. Uh, we'll see who that is. So that's a concern if you have a backup left tackle for Aaron Rodgers. And Makai Beckton has mostly been a left tackle in college and in the NFL, so how will he do protecting Rodgers playing right tackle? So that's something to keep an eye on. Like I mentioned before, the interior is fine. Uh, and I know Aaron Rodgers won't play a lot, but how will those tackles protect him in the brief time he plays against a very, very good Giants front seven? You don't bring in Aaron Rodgers if you don't think you have other pieces around you to get you over the the hump here. So with that in mind, uh, is Robert Sala you know, in a position to grow enough to handle the expectations that are now placed on this Jets team? And does that get them over nine and a half wins for the for the season? Well, I think uh, it could because they're Aaron Rodgers. I don't know how much has changed in other areas, but when you have one of those guys, and like I said, there's five to seven of them. You could bring them up, you know, Patrick Mahomes and uh, Herbert, and there's just not a lot of those guys that, even if there are things wrong on the team, let's say the secondary struggling or, you know, the, the tight ends are struggling, those guys, the five to seven of those guys, figure out a way, Joe Burrow's another one, to win games even if there are things wrong. And Aaron Rodgers is one of those guys. So whatever you think of Robert Sala, I know that you know the, the jury's still out there after his first couple of years. He's going to be a more successful coach with this quarterback. Look at Tampa Bay when Tom Brady was there. And look at them now, right? Like, all of a sudden, the IQ points of everybody, and I'm not talking about Robert, the GM, the head coach, the GM, the head coach in Tampa, everybody's IQ goes up a few points when you have one of those future <laughs> Hall of Fame quarterbacks. So I think they will do well this year if Aaron Rodgers stays healthy. I, I think you write that down because that's what that kind of guy can do for a whole organization. Dan, we greatly appreciate you taking some time, as always, and we look forward to catching up with you uh, throughout the season. Anytime, guys. It's always a pleasure to be on. Thank you so much. Once again, he is Dan Leberfeld, and you can follow his work over at JetsConfidential.com. So... He doesn't think that there's too much lost from Aaron Rodgers, maybe just a little bit on the bootlegs here, which I do think that's interesting if the offensive line, uh, you know, you can run some boots and things like that to help the offensive line. You can. Uh, Also, he's an older quarterback, and I think you even saw this a little bit with Brady uh, the last couple years. Uh, His arm strength was a little questioned uh, towards the end of the seasons the last couple years. Not as old as Brady. Uh, but you know, only I am older than Brady, I think, at this point. But I wonder whether that arm strength will still be there in December. Plus, he's you know, he's used to throwing in cold weather. But, you know, they got the wind in New Jersey. That, that stadium is always windy no matter what time of year it is.
We'll get into the schedule, answer the poll questions about the Jets, nine and a half. Win total, that's all coming up next here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. KDUS AM 1060 is the home to the Dan Patrick Show, the Doug Gottlieb Show, and Sports Map Radio. Catch all the sports content here on AM 1060. Thanks to Dan Leberfeld of JetsConfidential.com for joining us in the previous segment to talk all things New York Jets and get us prepped for our first poll question of the day. You can podcast that conversation over at KDOS1060.com as well as with the KDOS1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It's Bob Kemp. It's Kayla Mortolaro. It is the Extra Point on this Thursday, August 24th. And as we typically do in this segment, it is poll question time. So without further ado, the KDOS1060.com poll question over under nine and a half wins for the New York Jets. I'm going to go under. Uh, I think, uh, you know, I've got real questions, obviously, about the offensive line. I've got real questions about Aaron Rodgers, um, whether he can, you know, make it. And, you know, I'm not saying he's going to be injured, but, you know, he's the worst offensive line he's ever played behind. So, unfortunately, I think that's more of a possibility now than uh, before. Obviously, his age factor is in there, too. But this is clearly the worst offensive line, at least in my opinion. Uh, unless there's a startling revelation and some guys get much better real quick and you know Brown and Beckton can make it through the entire season. Those are his tackles. I think it's the worst offensive line he's ever played behind. Uh, also, uh, you know, Warren Sharp, uh, you, know, you know, one of the you know, scheduling and metrics gurus, and he, he does a really good job evaluating schedules. That's one thing I definitely pay attention to. Uh, yeah, the fact that they only played the eight road games this year, that's, uh, that, that's, that kind of helps a little bit, but that's a good thing. But you know, they kind of have a wonky little schedule there. Uh, you know, the first six are kind of a mixed feeling thing for me. You know, they play Buffalo on the Monday night opener at Dallas, New England, Kansas City. Uh, you know, so you know, they actually first three of the, three of their first four games are at home. So that's a good thing. Uh, but, you know, the schedule is just kind of strange. Um, tough, but strange. And they, you know, if you just go by season win totals, which Warren Sharp also does, uh, they have one of the uh, top toughest five schedules in the league if you just go by the projected season win totals and don't go with that rubbish that, you know, the general ESPN public and NFL network uses just based on winning percentage from last year. That's complete crap. Don't ever pay attention to that because that's based on what the, the team's rosters were last year. Things change a lot in a year. However, uh, three of the last four games, because they have that you know heavy home schedule to begin the season, three of the last four on the road, Miami, uh, and uh, they play Miami at home, Washington, at Cleveland. That's a Thursday night game, and as I continually point out here uh, for years and during especially these previews, Thursday night road games, not exactly what you want if you're the team that's on the road, not your preference. And then they play uh, you know, a Thursday night road game in New England, but uh, that's actually, I mean, excuse me, a Sunday game in New England in the season, but that's actually a long week for them because they played the previous Thursday night. But not the best of schedules. I just think there's way too many questions for the Jets. I, you know, I rambled on there, but shockingly I rambled on. That's happened before. 
<laughs> uh, so I'm with you on the under here. You know, th- certainly the first six games, uh, you know, you could get off to a great start and you could also uh, have New York fans panicking, right? Uh, if you, it- <laughs> you could be done. You could be done by the end of September. So it's kind of an interesting start to the season there. And as you pointed out, the conclusion to week 15 at the Dolphins, 16 versus the Commanders, 17 at the Browns and week 18 at the Patriots. And if there are some implications there in the AFC East or some wild card implications there, that week 18 contest could mean something. So uh, I do think that the nine and a half number is a bit challenging. Uh, you know, obviously, if you're on the oversight of things to get to 10. Uh, but so I, I think under is the play here uh, for the New York Jets this season, which the masses agree with at 80% of the vote over sitting at 20%. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, his numbers are 3,800 and a half yards, minus 112. Dalvin Cook over under 625 and a half yards and Garrett Wilson over 1,125 and a half yards. I am interested to see, you know, the offensive line is a huge question here, but I am interested to see how that Rodgers to Garrett Wilson connection uh can grow and then you can see the the real true development there with Garrett Wilson at the wide receiver position they certainly look like at least on hard knocks that there's a connection there and not just the you know they haven't played in a game they're gonna play that uh, game this week but you know the joint practices that they've had and then just the sauce Gardner and then the the play that you know Dan described in practice today too uh Looks like that Wilson at least did something right to get behind Gardner. Whether Gardner was the primary, you know, re, you know, defender in that play is always. I agree with him. It's always kind of hard to tell in practice sometimes exactly who should be getting. And for a game, for, sometimes in a game, it's hard to tell who should be getting the. Uh, criticism for getting burned quote unquote absolutely uh flipping this on over to twitter at kdos am 1060 the 2023 notre dame win total mike bernardino of uh nd insider joined bob in the nine o'clock hour to talk all things fighting irish football and if you missed it you can podcast it over at kdos 1060.com and with the kdos 1060 app so over under eight and a half wins here for notre dame uh i do think sam hartman certainly changes is the dynamics of this offense last year for Notre Dame. It does bring a lot on his shoulders, though, to come in and really be the offense for Notre Dame. They also have an interesting schedule here where they do play USC, as they typically do. They play Ohio State. Then they play NC State, Clemson, and Duke as the ACC, I would say, quote-unquote, tougher opponents. And then Wake Forest as well, throwing that in there, as that's Sam Hartman's old place that he he competed here. I think you also are going to need to see some big improvements from Notre Dame's defense. That's certainly going to need to get shored up here uh, for the Fighting Irish to win some of these more challenging games. I say under eight and a half wins. I do too. I'm also going to throw in a couple other games that they play. You know, Duke uh, was really good last year, and the the Duke head coach Elko used to be the former defensive coordinator at Notre Dame. He was replaced. Uh, when Brian Kelly, uh, actually, I think he was technically replaced before Brian Kelly took the LSU job, but he's he's not in Notre Dame anymore. And uh, in addition to that, I forgot who they, they have one other tricky. Uh, they play out in Louisville. I think Louisville is a big wild card this year with Jeff Brom as their head coach back at his alma mater. So throw all that together, and I just don't – I've got some serious questions about the Notre Dame yeah, explosiveness. I don't think the Hartman thing is going to be as big a deal as many others do. 
Uh, and as you know, as Mike actually pointed out during the sports zone today, you know, there's not going to be Air Notre Dame, and it's almost impossible to be Air Notre Dame because they are almost for sure going to have some bad weather games at home, in uh, maybe even the month of October, but definitely in the month of November. Yeah, that's a really good point there. And I do think it's always interesting when you're talking about Notre Dame just to kind of see how their speed and their quickness match up with some of these other opponents. I will add one. I'm sorry. I'll add one more thing is that, you know, there's some nines out there. There were. Those seem to have kind of vanished here in the last couple of weeks. Uh, but if I could get a nine, I would definitely be interested in betting that under. I know there's at least one nine and a half offshore, but you got to lay a heavy price in the minus the minus category to to get the nine and a half. Uh, the masses are on the under eight and a half wins to the tune of fifty five point six percent of the vote over sitting at forty four point four percent. This is on Twitter at KDUS AM ten sixty. Uh, one more time here for you, the Arizona Diamondbacks taking on the Cincinnati Reds. Well, the series gets started tonight. Merrill Kelly's on the mound. But for the purposes of this, Saturday, August 26th, it's time to bear down. The D-Bags are hosting the Reds for U of A night presented by Chase. Fans can purchase a special event ticket package to receive a game ticket and co-branded U of A Diamondbacks t-shirt. Visit dbacks.com slash U of A to secure your tickets now. Once again, that's dbacks.com slash U of A for Saturday, August 26th contest with the Diamondbacks hosting the Reds at 5.10 p.m. We wrap up this Thursday edition of Extra Point on the other side of the break. It's all happening here on KDUS AM 1060. Interact with Bob Kim's poll question on KDUS1060.com. That's KDUS1060.com. And while you're there, check out Bob Kent's bottom line at KDUS1060.com. point on this thursday august 24th bob kemp kayla mortellaro with you for a few more minutes but it's that time once again bob it is thank you time as always we thank you for listening special thanks to the callers emailers tweeters texters whomever and whatever else up to the cracks also our guest today notre dame season preview with mike berardino joined us from uh, the south bend tribune and also ndinsider.com uh, college football talk with Thomas Casali of the Action Network and then a Jets preview earlier this hour with Dan Leberfeld of Jets Confidential. Sound day courtesy of CBS, ESPN, NBC Sports, Amazon Prime Video, Bally Sports Arizona, WWL, no, WLW, I get that. I should listen. I should get that because I listened to that uh, station when I was a kid when I lived in Ohio. That's the Reds flagship still and was then 100 years ago. Uh, in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio, and KLAA for the Otani lowlights and highlights from yesterday. Also, special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aram. One other quick thing here, uh, Steven Strasburg has opted to retire. Uh, He did win a championship, 
uh, remember with the uh, Nationals, then unfortunately the Nationals, at least unfortunately for the Nationals and fortunately for Strasburg, they paid him a couple hundred million dollars after that. And he's pitched like no more than 20 games since then. I remember uh, Strasburg was here pitching in the Arizona Fall League and went to that game and it was a circus at Phoenix Municipal Stadium, a billion people there. Paul Skeens, the current uh, you know, top pick of the uh, you know, the Pirates this past draft, uh, if he's in the Arizona Fall League next uh, next month, which is anticipated by some, that's going to be a circus too. So uh, we'll see how that goes. All right, Kayla, sorry I rambled on there again. Uh, she's going to tell us what's coming up next, if she still has time because I rambled on too long. We'll make it snappy. Up next here on KDUS AM 1060 from noon to 1 o'clock, it is Sports Map Radio Network, followed by the Doug Gottlieb Show from 1 to 3, the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5, and the Sports Zoo with Dave Rooster Bierstein from 5 to 6. As a reminder, the Reds and the Diamondbacks series get started tonight. Brandon Williamson versus Merrill Kelly, 6.40 p.m. Head on over to dbacks.com slash watch to find uh, the channel that best suits you. Chris Fowler, he has inked a contract extension with ESPN. He will remain as the lead college football play-by-play person, the college football playoff national championship as well. Uh, Remains doing tennis. He's going to have a wild schedule upcoming here. Also adding to his duties, five NFL games where he'll be joined by Dan Orlovsky, Lewis Riddick, and Laura Rutledge on the call as uh, ESPN has five Monday night football games and, like, I think uh, some of the other contests going on that are like double headers opposite of Joe Buck and uh, Troy Aikman. Okay, good for him. He's good. I don't know about the tennis part, but he's really good in college football and has been for many years. And I haven't watched game day, game very uh, game day very often because he doesn't host it anymore. That's a big reason. That'll do it for this Thursday edition. Looking forward to Friday Spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. Oh, my gosh, we've already made it to a Friday. We'll have some fun tomorrow. Talk to you then.